Welcome. Thank you for joining us today for worship. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. We're continuing our series through the book of Philippians. We often learn by example, example from other people in our lives. Uh, That can be both positive and negative, of course. People close to us, uh, they influence us in how they, what they are modeling in their behaviors and their words. They influence our lives and we start to sometimes follow their examples and their behaviors. Even if they're not trying to or don't intend to with certain things that they're saying or doing. I was reminded of this uh, a couple of weeks ago in my Facebook memories. I had a post pop up that I had uh, shared something years ago, and what I posted was this. There are some things that I say that don't sound bad at all until I hear them come out of my five-year-old's mouth. And I remember the day that I posted that. I remember the words that my five-year-old stated, and when a 35 or 36-year-old says them, you probably don't think much about it. When you hear a five-year-old, you think, ooh, uh, that was a reminder to me uh, that I was setting an example for uh, for my sons and that the things that I say and the things that I do influence them. And what seemed like a minor thing to me when I heard that individual say it, I thought I, I need to watch myself. I need to watch my example on them. Of course, as believers, our hope is, our desire is that our example, our influence on others is that as they follow our example, they will start to look more like Jesus because that's who we are following. That's, that's what should be the goal for our lives as we faithfully serve him, that we're setting the example for, for others who are following us. Today, in the passage that we're going to continue in with Philippians 2, we're going to see two individuals who are held out as an example to the church. Uh, and held out as these are faithful servants. These are faithful followers of Christ. And they are living the lives that, uh, that we've been called to. So I've titled my sermon, Servants of the Gospel. And these two individuals, Timothy and Epaphroditus, we're going to see are going to be held out as examples of the things that Paul has been calling the Philippians to uh, in their own lives, we're going to see lots of the similar language that's saying, see, here's an individual who's living this way. Here's an individual who's faithfully following as a servant of the gospel. I'm going to read the text for us from Philippians 2 and then pray. Philippians 2, starting in verse 19. Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I too may be encouraged about news By the news about you, for I have no one else like minded who will genuinely care about your interest. All seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character because he has served with me in gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things will go with me. I am confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon. But I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, 
co-worker, fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need, since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because he had heard, because you had heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him and not only on him, but also on me so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. For this reason, I'm very eager to send him to you so that you may rejoice again when you see him and I may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and hold people like him in honor because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking life, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. As we do each week, we confess it as true and we know that we need it for our lives. And so we ask now, Holy Spirit, that you would work. Give us clarity and understanding in our minds and give us a heart to respond to the truth of your word today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, if you were here, you'll remember we uh, looked at the, the section of Philippians 2 that's known as the Hymn to Christ. Uh, the beautiful passage that is uh, explains this is who Jesus is and this is what Jesus did for you and now this is the position that the Father has exalted him to because of that. But remember, the purpose of that was not just to teach us those things about Christ, but Paul used that to say, here's the example for how you should live in humility and caring more about others. This is the example to follow. In Philippians 2.5, he said, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. So it was the purpose of the hymn to Christ was to say, live like he lived. Now, the reality is, of course, is we're tempted to cut ourselves some slack uh, when, we're, when we're told to live like Jesus lived, right? You might be tempted to say, well, of course Jesus was perfectly humble. Of course he cared more about others. He's the perfect son of God. I can't do that. I can't be like that, or at least not always. And so we may be tempted to... Give yourself a little slack with certain individuals or certain situations and say, well, I can't follow like Jesus because he's Jesus. Last week we were reminded as we were called to sanctification, as we were called to growing in Christ's likeness, we were reminded with that beautiful passage or that beautiful verse that said, God's at work in you. So, we're called to work out our salvation or grow in our sanctification and in Christ's likeness. And then we were given that promise that God's working in you to produce that. And this week, what we're going to see now are these two examples. Timothy and Epaphroditus held out as examples to say, see, here's proof. Here's proof to you that God's working in lives of faithful servants of the gospel. God will change you into the image of Christ. God will work in you so that you can live a life of obedience. So these two men that we see today are held out as individuals who are living lives worthy of the gospel. We saw that call earlier in Philippians. These are ones who are united in the purpose of advancing the gospel. 
So as we examine them this week, we're going to see uh, the connections here to the language used about these two men are things that Paul's been describing already in the first uh, first part of this letter. Uh, lots of similar language, lots of similar things. So it, it really is a, here's someone who's living like I've been telling you, you need to live. Here's someone that God has been faithful to work in their lives. And so as we look at these characteristics, many of them, are, these are things that we've been talking about in Philippians so far. We're going to Ask God, God, I need you to produce this in me. I need you to work in me so that I will follow the example here. So as we start, let's look at the first thing in verses 19 through 21. We're going to see this. Servants of the gospel care for the well-being of others. Servants of the gospel care for the well-being of others. Verses 19 through 21 in Philippians 2. Now I hope in the Lord... To send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interest. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Paul says, as he introduces us to the first example, the first servant of the gospel that he holds out as an example for us, he says... I'm eager to send Timothy to you. I'm ready to send Timothy. Now, Timothy is not arriving with this letter. Paul sends this letter, and in the letter he says, I'm hoping soon that I will be able to send him. And his purpose is stated there in verse 19, that he is wanting to be encouraged by news about the church. So he wants Timothy to go and see, like, how are things going with this precious church that we care so much about? How are they doing? How are they walking in their faith? And so Paul's purpose is, I'm going to send Timothy because I'm ready to hear how good things are going with your church. And then in verse 20, we see why. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interest. I have no one else who thinks about you the same way I think about you. And if you remember when Paul, in the very beginning of this letter, he talked about having the affection of Christ Jesus for them. He loves them the same way that Jesus loved them. And so Paul is saying, you know how much I care for you. Timothy cares for you the same way. He is like-minded in the way he thinks and the way he feels about you. Uh, The word in some of your translations may say he's a kindred spirit in how he cares for you. And so he wants to send Timothy since he can't come. Remember, Paul is in his under house arrest. He is in jail. He is unable to leave since he cannot come. He wants to send one who cares just as much as he cares for them. And so he says, look, he has the same mind as I do. And then in verse 21, we see that that stands out from the rest of the people. And we saw this wording earlier uh, in Philippians 1. But he says, all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. 
So Timothy's different than, than other individuals. Uh, other individuals are self-centered. Other individuals are focused only on what's best for them. And he's saying, that's not Timothy. Timothy loves you. Timothy cares greatly for you. And so servants of the gospel care for the well-being of others. Look at the call in Philippians 2.4. We saw this a few weeks back. Everyone should look out not only for his own interest, but also the interest of others. Everyone should look out not only for his own interest, but also the interest of others. So Paul had called the Philippian church to this. Stop thinking only about yourself. Care about your brothers and sisters in Christ. Care about what they need. Care about what they care about and what their desires are. Not just your own. And now he seems to be holding Timothy out and saying, here's someone who does that. Because of the work of God, because of what Jesus has accomplished and what the Spirit is working in him, here's someone who cares for you like we're supposed to care for one another. So for us, we need to remember that being a servant of the gospel means we're others focused. We're not focused only on what's best for us or what we would prefer. We are focused on others. And so this week and moving forward, we need to start deeply caring about one another. In this church is the starting point. And then outside of the church, other brothers and sisters that we are connected to, we have to start caring more about what's best for them, caring about what their, what's best for their well-being, for their interest, for their faith. Jesus was an individual who cared more about our interest, about what was best for us, and gave up everything for us so that we could be saved. And so our call is to live this way too, and Timothy's held out as someone who's doing that. So let's ask God, God, create in me this desire that would care more about others' interests instead of just being self-centered and focused on myself in this. The next point we see is this. Servants of the gospel are known for their good character. Servants of the gospel are known for their good character. We're just going to look at the first part of verse 22. So speaking about Timothy, right? He said, Timothy is like-minded. Timothy cares about you. And nobody else has that same heart and mind towards you. And then he goes on speaking about Timothy. He says, but you know His proven character. You know his proven character. The wording there holds the the image of when metals were purified, uh, going through the purification process where gold or silver was put into the fire and the impurities melted away and what was left was the pure metal. And so he uses this image to say, You've seen how pure his heart is towards you. He's proven that he is a man of character. Timothy has proven his character as he has served faithfully alongside of Paul. As he has cared for this church, he has proven to be a man of character. Character matters. 
It matters what we say. It matters how we live as Christians. Character is what the world sees. So if we're speaking truth, but then living as a person of poor character, it doesn't matter what truth we're saying. Our character is a big deal. And we're tempted to think how we live outside of the church or how we live around certain individuals may may not matter that much, but it does. Character matters for a servant of the gospel. Look at the way he worded this in Philippians 2.15 as he's calling the Philippians to live lives that are worthy of the gospel and to stand out. So in 2.15, Paul wrote this. We saw it last week. So that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world. Paul's talking about being people of good character. The way you live shines in the darkness of this world. And so that's the, as a servant of of the gospel, that's how we should live, being individuals of good character. If you think about the uh, qualifications for elders and deacons in the church, those, you can find those in First Timothy and Titus. We see these descriptions. And in those characteristics that are listed there, those are character qualities almost exclusively. That this is how the leaders of the church, they should be living out the Christian life. And those aren't listed to say, this is just what the elders or the pastors or the deacons need to live like. It's saying that if you're going to put someone in the position of leading and serving as a servant leader in the church, then they sure better live this life, live a life of good character. And there are ministries that are destroyed regularly by individuals who have lots of gifts and they don't have the character to come along with that. Character matters in our churches. Character matters in every one of our individual lives. And so for us, we have to remember that that applies to all of us as believers. My character matters when I leave this building. And so we need to ask God, God, keep producing in me the type of character that will stand out when I go out into this world, when I go into my work, when I go back into my home, when I have my relationships with my, with my friends. Produce in me the character that you desire so that I will stand out in their lives for His glory and for the glory of Christ. Third point that we see in this section is servants of the gospel are partners in gospel ministry. Servants of the gospel are partners in gospel ministry. We've seen this a couple of times already in Philippians. But let's look at the description of Timothy and Epaphroditus starting in the second half of verse 22 and going through 25. Because he has served with me. In gospel ministry like a son with a father. This is speaking about Timothy. He served with me in gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things will go with me. I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon. But I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, 
co-worker and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and ministry and, and minister to me. Servants of the gospel are partners in gospel ministry. So in verse, the second half of verse 22, we see Timothy is the first one described this way. He has served faithfully with me in gospel ministry. He's been with Paul on these mission journeys, planting churches, serving, advancing the gospel. Timothy was with Paul when they first arrived at Philippi. Timothy knew many of these believers at the Philippian church. He was there serving alongside of Paul when Lydia became the first convert there and then her family. And then when Paul was thrown in jail and then the jailer came to faith and his family came to faith, Timothy was there. He was a faithful servant in the gospel with Paul. And when he speaks the language of saying like a son with a father, he's picking up that apprenticeship model that was very common in uh, in this time, which was where sons would come alongside of the father and learn the trade of whatever work the father did. They would learn from them, serve with them and work together side by side for whatever task they were trying to accomplish. And Timothy has done that with Paul in gospel ministry. He has come by his side and learned from him and is working faithfully to advance the gospel. And then we see Paul says, So for these reasons, you know, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. Paul's waiting to hear, what's the decision going to be? Am I going to be released? Am I going to remain in jail? Are they going to execute me? Once I know, then I plan to send Timothy. But he also goes on to say, I, I do expect that I will come see you soon. His hope is and his, what he believes is that God is going to grant him the ability to visit them one more time. And then he says, but I didn't want to wait. I I didn't want to wait, and so I'm sending you another one that you know, that you love, that you care deeply for and who cares for you. So in verse 25, I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus. And look at the description of him. My brother, co-worker, fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister, to my needs. So the second servant of the gospel that we're introduced here that's held out as an example is Epaphroditus. And Paul describes him in all these different ways to show this is how he's been a partner in gospel ministry to me. He's my brother in Christ and he is a co-worker or co-laborer alongside of me. A fellow soldier advancing the gospel into the darkness of this world. And then he goes on to describe him, and this is where we learn Epaphroditus actually came from the Philippian church. Because the last two descriptions he says about him is that he is your messenger and minister to my need. We learn later in Philippians that Epaphroditus is the one that the Philippians sent with money to help care for Paul. And so Paul says, you know him, you you sent him to me. Uh, He cared for me. 
uh, by bringing your gifts and, and encouraging me with the words from you. And so Paul is sending Epaphroditus before he can come himself, before he can send Timothy. Likely Epaphroditus is the one that's carrying this letter. But both of these individuals, faithful servants of the gospel, and they are partners with Paul in gospel ministry. We saw the description of the Philippian church in Philippians 1, starting in verse 5. Paul said this, right? he's been thanking God for them and remembering them in his prayers. And then he explains why. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And then when we skip down to verse 7, Indeed, it's right for me to think of this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Servants of the gospel are partners in gospel ministry. We've talked about this at least twice so far. Uh, and Paul's trying to emphasize this is an important part of the church, is a partnership in gospel ministry. Uh, we should be working together, uh, not just individually out on our own. Uh, I heard this week uh, an author speak about... Um, he was talking about the importance of the church gathered together. Uh, his name is Jonathan Lehman, and he spoke about the difference between gospel declared and the gospel displayed. And so Jonathan Lehman spoke about it in this way, and he says an individual can declare the gospel. One person can speak the gospel, the truth about Jesus dying for your sins, to another person. But when the church gathers together, we start to display the gospel. We start to demonstrate the gospel to other people and how we care for one another and how we love one another and how we especially forgive one another. When we've been sinned against and we say, because of what Jesus has done, I can forgive you for that and we will still Come side to side. And I think the so he's speaking of it in, in terms of the church gathering together. And I think that reality is the same for gospel ministry. Is when we come together as a partner in advancing the gospel, we do the same thing. Not only do we declare the gospel, but we also display the gospel to others. We let them see what it looks like as we care and serve one another. So for us, let's keep viewing our connection here at Dogwood Church as an opportunity to partner together, to come alongside of one another, and to be used by God to advance the good news of the gospel to the lost world. The next thing we see is servants of the gospel put others before themselves. Servants of the gospel Put others before themselves. This is picking up with Epaphroditus again. Philippians 2 verse 26. Since he has been longing for all of you and was, dis was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him and not only on him but also on me so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. For this reason, I'm very eager to send him 
so that you may rejoice again when you see him and that I may be less anxious. Servants of the gospel put others before themselves. So we learn Epaphroditus became ill and it wasn't just, you know, had some sniffles. Epaphroditus almost died. It was so severe And Paul says, God had mercy on him. And then I love the way he goes on and says, and also on me, so that I wouldn't have sorrow upon sorrow. He cares so much for this partner in gospel ministry. And he says, if he had died, I would have been overcome with sorrow and grief for losing this precious, precious brother in Christ. Epaphroditus was on his deathbed, but what do we see here is he's not worried about himself in that recovery process. He's worried about the Philippian church. He says he knew that you found out that he was ill and he's been distressed. He's been overcome with this anxiety about what you're thinking Now, they are at a great distance from one another, right? No technology for fast communication. So someone has taken the message back to the Philippian church. Hey, the guy you sent to care for Paul, I don't think he's going to make it. He's not doing well at all. He's probably going to die. And... There has not been able to be news sent back to them. And Epaphroditus is grieving and overcome with anxiety of these people prayed for me. These people cared for me. And I know that they're, they're, they're concerned. And some of them are probably thinking he probably didn't make it. And are feeling the grief of that. Epaphroditus is more concerned about how they are doing Because of this news, instead of thinking of his own recovery, instead of being so self-centered about what had happened to him, he put others before himself. Paul called the Philippians to this in verse 3 of chapter 2. We saw this a few weeks ago. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. And so Epaphroditus is held out as an example, just like Timothy was. These are brothers that are faithfully living that way, caring more about your interest, putting you before themselves. Epaphroditus had lived that way in his ministry to Paul. He left behind his home, his family, his friends, his church to go and care for Paul. And then even when he almost died, When he almost dies, he's putting them first, caring more about them. And so for us, we need to keep asking God, God, I need you to produce this in me, right? We want what's best for us. We think about what we desire is what's most important. And so we need God to continue to produce in us this desire to put others before ourselves, Last thing that we see in this section is this. Servants of the gospel are willing to risk it all for Jesus. Servants of the gospel are willing to risk it all for Jesus. Let's look at verses 29 and 30. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and hold people like him in 
honor because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. Servants of the gospel are willing to risk it all for Jesus. So in verse 29, Paul says, look, when Epaphroditus comes back, I want you to welcome him with great joy. I can see Paul thinking about that, that reunion. And he hopes to see them dancing, you know, crying out to God, thank you, thank you, thank you that you have saved this precious, precious saint. Paul says, welcome him with joy. Be overcome with joy when you see him again for what God has done for him and for me and for you. And then he says, hold people like Epaphroditus in high honor. Lift him up. And then he explains why in verse 30. Because he came close to death for the work of Christ. And to making up what was lacking in your ministry to me. Hold him in high honor because he risked it all for Jesus. He almost died to serve Christ and care for me and my needs. Paul lived this way. We know Paul is in prison because he's risked it all for Jesus. And Paul is facing death because of that. And then he says this, we saw this in Philippians 1.20, My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul says, I'm living in a way that I will honor Jesus, no matter what happens. If I have to lose my life to advance the gospel, that's okay. I will magnify Jesus in this. And that's how servants of the gospel should live. People who have recognized that Jesus is the greatest treasure. And if Jesus is the greatest treasure, we can live in a way where we can let go of everything that this world has to offer because Christ is far superior to anything that this world has to offer. Of course, we're tempted to think that this world offers things that are Bring us great joy. We're tempted to think that this is where our security is in an individual or in our finances or in our family. This is my happiness and my joy. And as long as we treasure things in this world more than we treasure Christ, then we won't be willing to risk it all for Jesus. So we need to ask God, God, help me see Jesus as the greatest treasure And when we start to see him as the greatest treasure, we will risk everything for him. How kind of God to provide us with proof that he really does work in the lives of his children. He really will accomplish what he set out to accomplish, which is to make us look more and more like Jesus. And today, as we look at this section of Philippians 2, we see the kindness of God expressed to us saying, here's proof. God will work in you. 
if you will submit to the Holy Spirit, God's going to produce in you Christ-likeness. He will make you look more and more like Jesus every single day. And we need that encouragement, right? Living worthy of the gospel is a monumental task. Sanctification and pursuing Christ's likeness is a monumental task, one that we can't do on our own. And we've had the promise that we don't have to do it on our own, that God's working in us. And now we see proof from these precious saints who served with Paul. He really will keep that promise. He really will change you into the image of Christ for His glory so that the works that you do will point more and more people to Jesus. And the good news is, He's still at work, church. This isn't something that's just 2,000 years old. He's still at work in us today. And so because of this, We can ask God, God, I need you to work. I know that you're faithful. I need you to work in me to produce the the individual that you desire so that you can use me for your glory. So let's follow the example that we've been given from God's word. And let's strive to set the same example for others who happen to follow us And ask God, God, help me live this way. By the power of the Holy Spirit, change me into more and more of the image of Jesus. Because Jesus is worth it. And because God's faithful when we ask Him to work that way in our lives. He's faithful. He will do it. Let's pray. God, You are so good. And we thank you that we are reminded today with these examples from your word that you are faithful to work in your children's lives. You are faithful to produce in us the lives that you want to see and the lives that you want to use for your glory. So we ask you, work in us today. Work in us this week. Work in us every day so that we can be used, so that we can shine in the darkness, so that we can point others to Jesus Christ. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.